Peace, family. It's your girl, TT from TT Talks. As usual, I'm super excited to bring y'all some fantastic content. So excited about this show. I put sort of a panel together so that we could, you know, really sit down and, and dissect this midterm election. So I have some really fantastic friends on. I have Dr. Nzinga. I have Dr. Bruce Strobel. I have my sister Liz. And uh, we're all going to add our perspectives. And uh, the beautiful thing about this is I've done podcasts with all of these people at some point in time. Dr. Nzinga was on episode seven of my podcast where she uh, uh, left the whole studio in flames. (laughs) Episode seven. Y'all check it out. She's talking about the Haitian Revolution. Also, Sister Liz was on episode five of my show. We had a really beautiful conversation about Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It. I believe we also talked about Gabrielle Union's memoir, uh, Auntie Jennifer Lewis's memoir. Awesome discussion. Y'all go back and check it out. And uh, Dr. Bruce Strobel, good friend of mine, I was actually a guest on his podcast, My Black Reality. I believe I was on episode three, where we talked about race and sports. So... Y'all definitely gonna 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 love this conversation. It's provocative, it's incisive, it's passionate because we all love our people. And make sure that when you do listen to it, if you like it, make sure you share it, comment, tag me in it so we can keep the dialogue going. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. It is on iTunes Podcast. It's on Google Play Music. It's on SoundCloud. You could follow me on social media. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Miss TT Talks. That's M S T I T I Talks. On Facebook, TT Talks. On Instagram, at TT Talks. And uh, you can email me at MissTTTalks at gmail.com. Either way, I'm pretty accessible. I'd love to hear from you. Y'all sit back, enjoy this conversation. I'm back on the scene with the Gangster League with all these fantastic here people here with me. Super excited because we got to talk about this damn election, y'all. What? We got to talk about this. So I got some really fantastic friends here that are going to kind of go around the circle and just real quick introduce yourself. Starting with you, Nzinga. Okay. I'm Nzinga Metzger, um, professor of anthropology at FAMU. Liz Gillum, PhD student in education policy and evaluation over at Florida State. Bruce Strobel, sustainability coordinator at Florida A&M University. Um, TT, I'm a Sagittarius. I enjoy. <laughs> 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 oh man, Adrian, concerned citizen. Yes. Yes, goodness. So, um, all of these lovely people here I have done a podcast with at some point in time, which is really cool. So, I'm just going to refresh y'all memories, listeners, so y'all can get on track. Because some of y'all been getting off track, but y'all going to get back on track, right? So, I did the the Haitian Revolution uh, 45, quote, shithole country show with Nzinga. And I had to buy new microphones because the one she talked on went up in flames. <laughs> yes. In that episode. <laughs> they went up in flames. She was telling people about they self up in that. And uh, Dr. Lyle Wood was also on there too, yeah. giving her knowledge and her wisdom. So y'all got to go back to that episode because that episode was good. That was an impromptu episode. Yeah, it was. That was an impromptu. Funlayo just happened to be at my house. And 
and, and I, I don't know if you called Zinga or we called you to let you know that she was in town, but Zinga came through that night and we started talking about it. And literally, when they started talking about it, I mic'd the whole room up. I was like, uh-uh, we don't talk about this. So that is how that episode even came to be. Y'all got to go back and hear that one. I had Sister Liz on. We um, were talking about She's Got to Have It. Mm-hmm. That was a good conversation, y'all. We were talking about She's Got to Have It. We were talking about Gabrielle Union's book, I yep, think. Yeah, we did. And we talked about, uh, I think I talked a little bit about Jennifer Lewis's book. Yes. Um, yeah, that was a, that was the homegirl episode, yo. You could just have a glass of wine and listen to that mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> We should have had a glass of wine. Next time. Yes. Then I got the homie, Bruce Strobel. And uh, he and I did a podcast on his show. Mm-hmm. What was your show? Uh, My Black Reality. My we Black did Reality. Sports and Race. We did Sports mm-hmm. and Race. And we talked we about, did. Uh, I still can't pronounce it. The CTE? Yeah, CTE. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The the post concussive um encephalopathy that people yeah. are having after playing those contact sports. We're talking about whether we think the kids should play. We got a good conversation. Very good. See, y'all play too much. We out here we out here doing good things in the world. Uh, but yes, I wanted to get these group of people together because we had to talk about what happened and what is still happening, mm-hmm. ongoing with this election, y'all. I, I'm starting to call this thing double S for the shit show because it's just one new thing after the next. People finding ballots <laughs> <laughs> in random places. In closets. In closets. Backs of trucks. Man. <laughs> finding ballot machines wrapped up in warehouses. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Not giving uh, places electric cords uh, for the ballots. It's just out of control. True out of control so talk to me about your thoughts on this somebody whoever want to jump it off and just give some opening remarks because i already know the conversation is going to jump off from there because there's so many ways we can go with this man um we we're in a time where it's hard to discern is it voter is it disenfranchisement is it voter suppression is it a close election it's just like the trust that people have Mm -hmm in the voting system is that I, it's already it's always been challenging and it's been low, but I don't know if it's lower. It's just when you listen to what people are saying, you have so many different groups of people that your vote doesn't count. Uh, you have to vote or you are disrespecting your ancestors. You know, we get these extreme arguments being made, uh, but then I'm not sure everybody knows the mechanics of how the voting process actually works. I was talking to my class the other day and I said, well, you know, who, who should we hold accountable if there's a problem in the election process, mm. there's uh, President o- President Obama. Like they didn't know. No, it was like they didn't even know there was an office, the supervisor of elections office. They didn't even know that existed. So, uh, it's so many challenges. It's a very dynamic problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely the you know the conversations around voting in general are they always come up every time there's an election. <clears throat> and I think one thing that gets lost in the conversation in those extreme arguments that Bruce is mentioning is the fact that the government is going to function whether we vote or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And the the government is going to function for our betterment or for worse for us, whether we vote mm-hmm. or not. And the one thing I always tell like my students and other people who are interested in listening is things may not get better for us as black people, um, but they damn sure could get worse. And, you know, the thing about it is 
I think a lot of people think they should be voting in their own self-interest. If I was voting in my own self-interest, I would not vote the way that I vote. Mm-hmm. As a as a person who has to live on the planet, in the country, in the state, in the city, in the county, with <laughs> other people, mm-hmm. you know, your destiny and your life is tied to theirs mm-hmm. or t- tied to other people. And so, you know, I try to vote with with con- keeping in considering consideration the least of us. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about your own life and voting in your own best interest. It's about at least putting a stopgap in place so that we can continue to work on our own problems within our community. And hopefully at the very at the at the very least, they'll leave us alone. Mm. You know, can we just go back to a government where y'all ignore us? Right. But we're not going to be able to do that if we continue to let these right wing Christo fascist neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan uh, sympathizing mm-hmm. people get into office. And it's like, you know, we're having these very academic arguments while these very dangerous people are getting put into office. Is the government always pretty much going to be, you know, um, full of implicit bias? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least sometimes we have some white people who be like, well, maybe I shouldn't say racist shit right. on national TV. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Maybe I shouldn't say that. And, 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 and sometimes we have some white people who will be like, well, you know, we don't really care about the black people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can deal with that. Yeah, <laughs> we can deal right. with our own problems for so long, yeah. you know. We can deal with that. But in terms of like having people who are actively like trying to oppress, control, suppress, imprison, you know, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. We're at a really, really crucial, dangerous time for people to be on some apathetic whatever, you know. So I'm just hoping that the show um, proves in the recount. Please, 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 please. Mm. <laughs> and we get somebody who's at least sympathetic, even if because I've heard some uh, comparisons. I've heard people compare him to Obama, which mm-hmm. you know, if you're a real progressive, it's not actually a good thing, right? But right, <laughs> right, right. You said that I was like, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. But I mean, at least he would be super th- sympathetic right. on, at face value, and maybe we could have access to have some conversations, you know, that would serve our communities here in Tallahassee and in Florida in general. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times the people because we obviously want the people who are sympathetic. Um, and I think a lot of times the people who would vote for them take it for granted. They're like, well, you know, it's okay. We we are, a lot of people are still hoping that good is still gonna win. And we don't have time to wait for the eventuality of good to win. Like we need to get out there and have a voice in this because the people who want the other stuff are voting and they're loud and we hear them and they're present. And I think that it's up to the decent people to come forward and counteract that. Um, my fear is that one of the fears that I had in 08 um, was that if things looked improper and President Obama hadn't won, that a lot of people would lose hope and just not bother anymore. And that's a concern that I have now because with all the stuff that's coming out, these ballots that are being found, these machines, not be, like it's just blatant. And I'm just, one of my concerns is that a lot of people are watching this and they're their mm-hmm. concerns and their fears are validated. Well, mm-hmm. maybe my vote doesn't count or if it's not going to matter, they're going to do what they want anyway. And I think I'm hoping that a lot of the other 
races nationally that have had really great and progressive outcomes will show that we just got to keep keep pushing yeah um so yeah mm-hmm. i'm just i'm keeping an eye on a lot of my friends and a lot of younger folk who are you know here, out mm-hmm. here saying that it didn't matter anyway and i'm just hoping that they see that you know we can we keep pushing we keep fighting hearing what y'all saying it makes me think you know when they say when america gets the cold black america gets the flu mm-hmm. and the way that relates to this situation is that black people have felt disenfranchised for yes. a very long time mm-hmm. so when you have these movements to say, all right, everybody, we're going to try this again. We're going to get out here and vote. Mm-hmm. And then you have situations where it's like, look, it didn't work. Right. I just imagine that the effect that that has on the people collectively, mm-hmm. it, it it takes away their, it, it chips at their belief in collective mm-hmm. efficacy that they can actually mm-hmm. work together to do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And it's disastrous. So mm-hmm. I do think that one of the problems is and it goes all the way back to when Puffy was doing the uh, voter die thing and it's just mm-hmm. like get out and vote and then yeah. it's like and then what like, right. so that's what I hear a lot of people saying like what happens if the voting isn't enough like we need more to the plan than just vote and I think it's very it's very irresponsible to tell people all you have to do is vote mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's what makes it seem disingenuous because a lot of times that's all people hear is like if you just go vote then you know we'll vote away these problems that'll be like you don't like uh the president doing this or you don't like uh that the united states is doing this practice vote and it you know that'll Mm -hmm. take it away and that's not true uh so we have to look at voting at face value what it actually is it's just a mechanism to try to influence how the government is directed it's not a revolution is not going to make this great significant change people are still going to go by pretty much different parts of the same playbook so mm-hmm. right yeah. absolutely and and this type of environment is really designed to make you apathetic mm-hmm. it's designed that way on purpose and i absolutely feel apathetic i still do it though you know because i still have to live here i still have to drink the water i still have to mm-hmm. breathe the air and be around people and you know what i'm saying i have to engage with people in the community and so you know that's why i do but you know it's things like because now we have what 1.4 million felons who can mm-hmm. now vote yep and they're looking at this shit like y'all want me to participate in this shit mm-hmm. what do we have for them yeah. Yeah. to well, encourage but we uh, we also can use to that point okay we voted you this opportunity mm-hmm. so that you see what we can do mm. What you know, because you have some very specific experiences that could really help us on this side too. Mm-hmm. Find a way to give them them, them folks some purpose, mm-hmm. you know. Give them so so that you know we can all work together to advance an agenda that could benefit a lot of our community. Because everybody in in our community has felons in their family. Mm-hmm. I don't know a, a black family or any family really that doesn't have any felons. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And this ain't a bad or good conversation. This just is what it is. And they're coming in in Florida. They have some some rights restored. And, you know, we got to persuade them to want to participate. Because I can see them looking at this like, and they got ballots. They finding them somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're saying every vote counts, you know. But we always have to be mindful this environment is designed to make you apathetic mm-hmm. that you have that's why you have to be aware about that so that you can push through and do the things that you need to do regardless i think liz made some good points you know in terms of taking things for granted and i think a lot of people laid back um mm-hmm. i think there was a there was a more 
perceivable laying back when Obama was in office, but I think we've been laying back for about 60 years oh, yeah. mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. And then to your point, Bruce, when people ask about, okay, what I'm supposed to do after I vote? Well, let's just be really honest for a second here. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who ask that question ain't doing shit. No way. First of all, <laughs> let's just right. talk about that. Right. So my thing is, if you're not That's doing true. anything, yeah. if you're not mm-hmm. working in the community, mm-hmm. if you're not organizing, if you're not knocking on doors, if you're not volunteering, if you're not, you know, doing mm-hmm. something for the community, the least expensive, mm-hmm. least in terms of time investment, Mm -hmm. least in terms of energy investment, least in terms of really thinking because you can go to your party and get a ballot Mm -hmm. is just vote. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back to doing the nothing you was doing before you was asking (laughs) the question. Exactly. Because that's really where it is. There's really a very small portion of the population Mm -hmm. who is out there Mm -hmm. busting their asses for social change. And most of these people asking this question with this level of indignance are not the ones who are out there doing the work. So all we're saying is if you ain't doing nothing... This is a one more, you know, 0.3 nanometer of nothing that you can go do to help the people who are out there who got themselves on the line. Hello. Like it's really, it really don't cost Hello. you nothing. It don't take you no, it don't take your time. Ain't nobody asking you to come no place every weekend. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody yeah. asking you to put no money in. Hello. Just this is just this is a simple, easy Show thing. Up. If you don't know who to vote for, go to the party you think that your affiliate that your your values closely align mm-hmm. with, and go get the ballot. Mm-hmm. And then bubble in the bubbles. Come on, <laughs> you can do it. You know. And then in terms of just thinking about you know taking things for granted, um. We can see, you know, I think a lot of people think that progress is this linear progression that happens forward all the time. And our current state of affairs is showing us that all the progress that we've made can be easily swept away with the stroke of a pen. Mm -hmm. So none of this stuff is guaranteed that it's going to stay. None of this stuff is guaranteed that it's going to move forward. Look at all the affirmative action things that are happening. Look Mm -hmm. who we've got on the Supreme Court now. All of these things can be erased. And we can end up in a situation that is quite dire. And then what we're going to be do, doing? Looking around at each other like how we got here. And there's going to be histor- historians like me and Bruce and Clips and Goliath. Like, well, do you really want to know how you got here? Because we can show you. Mm-hmm. You know, like apathy is not an excuse. Mm-mm. Apathy Mm-mm. is not an excuse. Like you were saying, Adrian, there are all kinds of things we feel apathetic about. But mm-hmm. we do them all the time. What? All the time, like shampooing rugs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Going to class on Monday. Yeah. Right. There are right. all kinds of things that we do that we don't Absolutely. necessarily want to do. And guess mm-hmm. what you do? You get your ass up and do them. And you might not necessarily see the benefits of that thing immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You might, you yourself might not immediately benefit from them at all. But there's a proverb that says, when a man plants a mango seed, he is not planting it for himself. Mm-hmm. He's planting it for generations to come. Mm-hmm. So if you, and I, I, I don't I don't have like an exceptional amount of faith in the system. I really don't. I don't vote because I believe in democracy because <laughs> de- democracy doesn't exist here. We don't have a democracy. Mm-hmm. That's obvious from these two elections that we've had where the majority has voted for the, the um, candidate who lost. Right. So I don't believe in the system. It doesn't it doesn't work. But we don't have to keep throwing monkey wrenches, 
nuts, <laughs> bolts, twigs, right. patches, yep. yeah. gum, whatever we can throw in that mug to keep it from literally devouring us mm-hmm. as a people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really how we have to see it as what do we have to do to keep the system from actively and continually and continuously doing us harm on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for. Because mm-hmm. it really is never going to work in our favor as far right. as I'm concerned. Never. It wasn't built for it us. It wasn't built for us. So yep. it's not going to work in our favor. Like old folks always say, if you ain't going to do me no good, don't do me no bad. There we go. You know, because we're all connected. Like, you literally have to get on public transportation or you have to drive on the highways and the freeways like everybody else. Yep. You breathe in the same air. Get stuck in traffic. Look at what what the governor did. Mm -hmm. The, The, um... The railway that was supposed to be tam- between Tampa and Orlando, mm-hmm. when Obama sent the money for it, mm-hmm. he sent the money back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we all got to sit on I-4 for oh. an hour and a half. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Simple things like that. Yeah. You know, um, the the way that you file for your unemployment mm-hmm. before a certain governor was in place. Mm-hmm. You could just file for your unemployment and then, you know, find a job that was... Uh, according to your your education and your background, now you got to apply for five jobs every time you go to get your unemployment. Mm-hmm. Well, if you got a PhD, how many PhD mm-hmm. jobs can you apply for before you know went through the whole chronicle of higher ed? Right. Mm. And what you gonna do? Apply for McDonald's jobs? Mm-hmm. So then you start working at McDonald's for forty hours a week. Do you have time then to go and volunteer? I mean, interview. For the jobs that uh, you know are commensurate with your experience, no, you don't. It doesn't make any sense. And these are things everybody knows. Somebody unemployed. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody knows somebody trying to get some unemployment or mm-hmm. something. So you know this whole idea that oh it doesn't affect me or oh, whatever whatever mm-hmm. is just not true. We're it's not dealing not. in a. We're and not. And that's dealing. how you know they don't know. They never. They probably yes. never even looked at a ballot to know all of the shit that comes on the ballot. Exactly. It's not just. This the people, Democrat this is, and this Republican. Right. There's so much stuff on right. the ballot. Yeah. Right. So much stuff on the ballot that Brother Bruce had to form a coalition that's so right. we could, you know, go through it with some sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's the level of, of, of critical thinking and analysis that you have to do so that you can get some things in place um, so that you can do the things that you need to do. Right. I mean, and it really ain't even that deep of a critical thinking. Here's Not my, at all. Here's my process. I don't know who to vote for. Let me call Bruce. Let's <laughs> <laughs> nah, see. I, I, my thinking is going further. Like we we thought of these kind of ideas. Me and um, Jay English and my friend Goliath a while back. This is when Obama was in office. And right. We were questioning like, what are we going to do as a people once. Obama, who wasn't, you know, as Obama said, he wasn't the president of black America. He made that clear, right? Right. So it was kind of like, what do we do after after him? How do we prepare to move on? Mm-hmm. And like, we had a lot of internal debates. And, and one of the things that it centered around was this idea of strategically right. um, choosing our, our candidates. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that even meant, and you know, this is blasphemy around certain black circles, looking outside of the Democratic Party at certain times. Yeah. Uh, understanding yeah. that most of the time the Democratic Party offers us the candidate who is more favorable than the Republican Party does mm-hmm. in many cases. But being willing to invite them both to say, what are you willing to do for the black vote? Mm-hmm. And, and and making that our, our position as opposed to this unyielding alliance right. that the black community seems to have with the Democratic Party that no matter what y'all throw in front of us every single time we vote Democrat we don't ask no questions we don't say anything right. here's right. our votes mm-hmm. so we wanted to tr- find a way to organize 
ourselves in a fashion where we can say, actually, uh, Mr. Democratic candidate, this is what we want if you want black folks. And right. I, I think that's mm-hmm. the next step of what we do beyond just, don't just vote. We're going to have organized voting, uh, bring another level of organization to it. If you want black votes, then this is what we need in right. return. And then the, the question becomes, Are we? what are we willing to do if we don't get it? Are we willing to say, well, then we'll all just lose? Or, right. you know, that's what people did with the whole Bernie or Bust thing. And, I mean, I don't know that it worked, but... I mean, we are living with the consequences right now. So. It obviously did not work. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, because the, the Democratic Party did still was kind they of recalcitrant yeah, afterwards. And they, they did like, sabotage. Yes, that's all true. And it, I guess in the, in, it, it would have worked if the Democratic Party said, we can't ever allow this to happen again. Yeah. We all got to come together. We got to listen to both sides. But they're still kind of like... yeah. I seen something they talk about running Hillary again. So. Please don't. don't do this. <laughs> no. Please don't. No. Listen, and we got to start. We really got to start grooming candidates. Yes. yes. For all it of doesn't us. seem yes, yes. like the Democratic Party is tuned in. in They're not very interested in that. No. no. They like, have who they, they want, doing? and that's what it is. And get on board or don't. But mm-hmm. they're this not interested. That's not how it's rocking. No. Exactly. It's just not working. It's not going to work. It didn't work with Hillary, and it's not going to work. Your ancestors died for Hillary Clinton. This oh. oh. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they died for a whole lot of shit that we ain't capable for either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's not lose that in the discussion. I got you. Yeah. I understand. Look, we could talk about what they didn't die for that oh. we're all doing. They ain't died for us to be, you know, <laughs> sitting up eating GMO food. <laughs> Drinking, drinking water with 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 uh, what is it called? Um, leftover pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> Breathing polluted air. Right. You know, buying cheap goods from China. Pig feces. Right. Yes. <laughs> they like, like, they want that. Like they didn't die for that. They, they didn't just, die for that. <laughs> they didn't die for that. Y'all saw that with the pig farm up in South Carolina, dumping all of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it South Carolina, North Carolina? North Carolina, North Carolina. from the, after the storm. Mm-hmm. What? All up in people's well water. Yeah, no, man. Capitalism is a whole mess, yes, man. It is destroying everything. But I think, too, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know who to vote for. But I'm like, okay, that's that's still not a reason. Right. Like, you can find out. Who you want to vote you for. You can find out who to vote for. I mean, we have the internet. We have like, the it takes internet. A second. Every, <laughs> and if you're not an internet else person. Out. That's right. I was going to say, if you want to, you, you can find out who's got the latest release out. You can mm-hmm. find out who's got the newest Nikes out. You can find out what the newest, whatever. Like, if you want to vote, you can easily find out right. who easily. to vote for. There's There's got to be somebody in your community who's knowledgeable, who you can simply ask if you're not a you know internet person or whatever. But you can... Right. This is something that you can find out. It's not, and 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 I think that it it's partially like what you were talking about, Adrian. This this environment that just breeds apathy, mm-hmm. and people just want things to just be presented to them in total without really ha- them having to expend any energy mm-hmm. in the process right. of you know whatever or f- for themselves. But it's like, yeah, I, 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 there are tons of there are several there were several candidates on the ballot. I didn't know who they were, you know, if I didn't have the voting group to tell me, mm-hmm. okay, this person leans this way, this person leans this way, this many people voted, this was uncontested, I wouldn't have known who to vote for, but I made mm-hmm. it a point to find some place mm-hmm. to help me mm-hmm. with my ballot. And you mm-hmm. also have to be humble. Yes. You yes. know, 
you have to be humble enough to be like, I don't know about this. Somebody, somebody, somebody help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ask questions or yes. even, you know, reading some of the amendments. Sometimes the wording can be a little bit and challenging. the way they bundle it's them extreme. and they put and the a whole they bunch put of stuff, stuff together in there that has nothing to do with in. anything. Because it's all legalese. Yeah. Yes. And that's why, that's why we have people who have, what is it? Four year degrees mm-hmm. to be able to, to, to interpret legalese because your average person can't read. I right. can't read it. I don't know what they're talking about. Right. I need somebody to tell it, explain it to me. In, spl- in plain English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I for sure ask people. I'm unashamed. Mm-hmm. I will call somebody who has who has fluency in legalese because I don't. Right. Paperwork and all that stuff. That stuff makes my brain just yep. shut down. Right. I, you know that ain't me. I, the other stuff, I'm on it with that, and people right. can come to me for what they need as far as that goes. That's why you got to build a community of people mm-hmm. who have many mm-hmm. different experiences, who have mm-hmm. many different skills, who have many different interests and fields of expertise mm-hmm. so that you can call somebody when, you know, you're trying to figure out something simple like, you know, was grapes on sale this week right. or right. Um, how should we vote as a community? Yeah. You know, interesting thing I just thought of, right? Our group. We, in a way, we decided at least one race here in Tallahassee, right? We talked to the candidates for our city commission, C3. Mm-hmm. That, that's actually going to a recount last time I checked, Yeah, right? mm-hmm. it just but happened. Mm-hmm. It just happened? Yeah, um, they, just, no, they just announced that it was going to a okay, recount. Okay, it's going to a recount. Uh-huh. I mean, that's how close these elections are. So if you think we had 26 people who all had a spirit influence, um, and they shared our our list and they shared it with people and people were sharing and people were voting that way. That's I real. mean, ultimately we affected that election just Certainly. in that small sense. So That's imagine real. if we had 250 or 2,500 people, you know, it, it just builds your, your influence over the election when people mm-hmm. could organize and say, you know mm-hmm. what, we're going to, we asked the candidates, what is your plans for Tallahassee's black community? They both responded. Mm-hmm. I posted that in the group. We reviewed it. Everybody said, well, I like this answer better. Mm-hmm. That's just a step in the right direction, I right. think, that we should be looking at. And interestingly, I begin, right. yeah, I begin a lot of people Hello. in the um, my message like, hey, how did y'all do this? We want to do it here in New Jersey. We want to do it here That's in Fort Lauderdale. That's, That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And give us the full title of it and, and explain a little bit, you know, you're, it's kind of like we started at the end and worked backwards. Okay. And start at the beginning and just kind of talk about what, you, what you're talking about so people have oh, a little yeah. so context. It, we're tentatively, we're talk, calling it the annual local election review team. That's alert. I like the acronym. Me uh, too. Re- I didn't even know there was an acronym. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fly. I saw yeah. it. I was like, oh shit, okay. So you remember we just, uh, it kind of just developed because yeah. we needed it. We, we were all it. like, I don't know this part of the um, ballot. You don't know this part. So let's all get together. I think we yeah. met at my house. Yes, we did. And it was mm-hmm. about maybe 15 of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went through the ballot. We argued back and forth. Um, and then I, I said, well, we need to kind of formalize this a little bit more. So uh, we need to get more people involved. So this year we put it in Facebook because it was hard for us to get our face-to-face meetings together. Yeah. But again, the idea was to build consensus. Exactly. Around Utilize technology. Yeah. Yeah. And Utilize the, technology. Build that consensus and say, this is how we're going to vote here. And going forward, you know, I think we'll make it bigger. Yeah. Uh, my vision for it is for us to be able to hold forums and be like, these are the candidates yes. Yes, who please. we believe support the are sensitive to the needs of Tallahassee's yeah. black community. I think it would be awesome for us to be able to like go into community centers, mm-hmm. churches, or whatever, and just share the information exactly. mm-hmm. in plain English for right. mm-hmm. the average people, and then leave like a, a sample ballot, exactly, or whatever, so that people can just go and and vote and know. Okay, there's nothing that because you know how they word these things mm-hmm. a lot of times. They word them intentionally to be 
confusing so mm-hmm. that you're voting yes when you when you when you when you when you really should be voting yeah. no. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it would be great for us to eventually evolve to that point. All right, so this governor race oh in Florida and Georgia. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. Just want to have nice things. We just want to have nice things. That's all. That's, all. That's we got, all. We got a recount and we got a runoff. A runoff. Yep. Sheesh. I'm so stressed. Like I, every time I hear it come on the radio, I turn it off because I can't. <laughs> I saw in on CNN they said Andrew Gillum unconceded. Yeah, yes. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that was a word. I, think I, I didn't Wednesday. either. Oh, I didn't either. Third. He withdrew his concession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw people criticizing him because he conceded, and I thought, yeah. that, you know, that is as a politician, that's the standard protocol. Uh, and at the same time, uh, Stacey Abrams, Stacey. she didn't. Yeah. Concede, yeah. And I was okay with that. Also, right. it's a choice that you make based off the numbers and what you see. Yes. And he said, based off what he was looking at at the time, he didn't see any way that he would go for it and win. Right. He didn't know they were going to be, like I said, finding ballots in the oh, closet. Right. Like that, so. He didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't know yeah. that. And he's also a person. Like, yeah. he's, I think people forget that he's got a family. He's got yeah. at some point you just he probably was just done. Like, you know yeah. what? We, I yeah. came to do. And on the flip side of that, I was like, you know, if you came out here and you actually had a platform and you are a decent person who actually has Florida's interest in mind, and you still came within one percent of the vote for a racist without a platform, well then forget y'all. <laughs> like, yes. that, really? That's an insult to him. I mean, okay, yes. then y'all can have it then. I'm, I'm you know, good. And and then and and something that I had I I stated is that you know people who decide they're going to run for office mm-hmm. are really putting their necks on the line yeah. in this current environment. Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure whoever his security detail is or whoever, they're fielding all kinds of death threats. I thought that too. All kinds of things, Mm -hmm. you know? And for us to be out here talking about, well, I don't really feel that vote because I don't know. You know, it's just like, it's not good enough. Right. You know? The character assassination. I mean, the the newspapers in Florida, and I have friends at the newspaper, y'all gonna have to be mad about this. Y'all perfectly timed a coordinated attack Mm -hmm. on Andrew Gillum to coexist. be right alongside coincide with the election they were bringing up stuff from two and three years ago about alleged fbi investigations Mm -hmm. that if it happened why why hasn't he been arrested why wasn't there indictment a three-year-old investigation yes and and why are we why why are suddenly why are we we are like the uber moral populace Mm -hmm. when we've got the chief criminal in charge grabbing folks like come on now Mm. yeah some hamilton tickets that's what I'm supposed to be mad about. Right. Some Hamilton. Some Hamilton tickets. <laughs> when you got, you know, you got your, your your daughter is about to get how many patents in China? Yeah. Hello. You make you wheeling and dealing mm-hmm. using the presidential office as a sales office. Right. But you, I'm supposed to be, you know, feeling some kind of way about two tickets. Two, 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 just two. It's two. Tickets. Not even a whole auditorium. Just two tickets. I can't deal. So, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, you. That kind of stuff, it should be reported on, but I thought it was just irresponsible to allow it to start coming out right then. It just seemed mm-hmm. well, too well coordinated. Yeah. Um, but I think it was effective because I, I told people this. I was um, I was getting some food one night and I was talking to one of the waitresses and I asked her. I said, "Did you vote?" She was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Yeah, I did my research. I didn't. I made sure not to vote for that criminal Andrew Gillum." Wow. And I was like, 
I was like, oh, so you're a Republican? She's like, no, I'm a, no, you're I'm a, a Democrat. And Sorry. She just, <laughs> she's like, I'm a Democrat and I support uh, progressive candidates. What? But it was like, why do you think he's a criminal? She's like, I, I saw it on this, something on Google I searched and that's what came up. So it was like, oh no, like, I wonder how many people, yeah. she was a first time voter. She didn't really have a, a frame of reference. I wonder how many people can they mm-hmm. just chip off the block just like yeah. that. With, right. Mm-hmm. Close enough for it to be within X. Right. Is it point two? Yeah. yeah, something. Can, can we talk ridiculous. about that that eighteen percent number of black women? What? 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 Is that, that real? Is, that doesn't make it. That doesn't make any sense. That I'm not buying it. No, it's real. It's real. It's exit polls, so it doesn't. But okay, let me try to explain it. The Please best do. I can. Yeah, break it down. Because. Okay, when you do an exit poll, you get a sample, right? You okay. get a sample size that is representative of the general population, right? Mm-hmm. So you can get an idea of how people are voting in our different demographics. So I think they they did maybe a couple hundred people and in that group that they sampled, eight percent of them represented. Eighteen. Okay, no, eight eight percent of the participants were black women. Okay. And of that eight percent, eighteen percent um claimed to have voted for DeSantis. Wow. So that's just a sample. That doesn't mean that if we look at all, I think for black women it might have been around four hundred and sixty-four thousand um voters total, right? Okay. I don't think that all 18% of them voted for DeSantis, but the exit poll does point us in a direction that is higher than we would have expected. So we have to look at- It's higher than zero. So it's much higher than we would have expected. Some people might've been influenced by propaganda. We do have people who are Republicans. I've also heard reports that in some of our uh, Caribbean communities and in Florida, that they are starting to lean Mm -hmm. uh, conservative. And then also the Trump factor. Uh, we have to look at that. Andrew mm-hmm. Gillum was basically running against Trump in a basically. Trump stool pigeon. So, I mean, the president has the bully pool, but he has the megaphone. He's using the using government it. office to influence local and state elections, right? So, uh, he's telling, he was saying routinely, like, Andrew Gillum's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gillum should probably sue him for that, by the way. I don't know if he can. But he's like, Andrew Gillum's a criminal. He's the worst mayor. His city is the worst city in the state of Florida. Yeah. Highest crime rate ever. So if, you know, some people pay attention to celebrities. So uh, for it to be 18%, imagine that's somewhere between 10 and 18%. I could see it as possible that based off people just watching TV, seeing commercials, and then everyone saying, you just get to the polls and vote without any voter education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could happen. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. And then we saw the same thing in Georgia with, with Abrams. We saw, I think it was 16% of the black men voted for camp mm. so it's a challenge right um i don't know it, it, it's so many different dynamics but I, I feel like a lot of people are like it's not possible is that how you felt liz or? i was very confused Me by too. it i was very con- i'm not gonna say it's not possible i just you know i i always want people to do better <laughs> but i just kind of feel like even if you didn't know a whole lot else about their platforms, let's t- let's start with the racist stuff that was connected oh to DeSantis. Can we just start there? And I feel like that should have been a deal breaker for a lot more people than it was. See, and this so. is, I'm sorry, I mean, no, it's this all right. is why we got to do this class on racism. Because yes. people are looking for, when you say racism, if people don't see Ku Klux Klan yep. sheets and yeah. a black body hanging from a tree, they're yeah. like, there's no racism happening yep. here. Right, and, and that ties into the comment that I was going to make with the Caribbean community. Mm-hmm. You know, with Caribbean and African communities, Oftentimes, they are completely um, unaware, oblivious to 
you know, implicit bias. Yeah, a lot of the dog whistles. Right. They don't mm-hmm. they don't get it. And so they're oftentimes, you know, insistent that black people from the United States are just, I don't know, histrionic, neurotic, yeah. crazy, paranoid, lazy, just don't want to work or whatever. And I think a lot of times that, you know, fuels this, well, I'm going to be completely objective, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to vote for the best candidate. And it's like, well, you know, if you've lived here in the United States and you have kind of like stewed in this juice (laughs) for generations. We have a culture that has basically taught us how to identify the talk, the dog whistles. There is historic precedent. There is, you know, a longstanding tradition of certain ways that you speak about people Mm -hmm. that as African-Americans, we are very attuned to, Mm -hmm. and we're attuned to it because not being attuned to it could, could be a risk to your life. Very dangerous. Exactly. That's, I question that. I don't know how attuned to it we are anymore. Ooh, I, I agree. I have to concede that. I, I agree. I agree. People may not have that same sensitivity, which is dangerous. It is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I, I'm thinking about people my age. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, we're definitely more attuned to it. And this is oftentimes why we we tend to be more outraged mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. subtle stuff. Because these white people know what they're saying. Oh, yeah. And what they're doing. Um, it, but the younger people, we dropped the ball. People my age dropped the ball and did not teach. This is how you identify what that is, which is why people who are half of our age, they don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important that, um, you know, people in, you know, the, you know, 30s to 40s range, we need to start spending a lot more time with these young people. We need to spend a lot more time with them because and we need to groom them. Mm-hmm. We need to prepare them for, because a, a lot of us, um, you know, A, aren't interested in, in becoming involved in local politics like that. You know what I'm saying? And some of these kids with the type of intelligence, the type of fire that they're bringing, the type of conviction that they have and their skills and their talents, these are the exactly the people who could kind of help, who we could kind of, you know, give them a little bit of wisdom, polish them a little yeah. bit, get them prepared and give them the support to tear this shit up. Right. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have to groom them to to so that we all can work together because there's things that we can add to them. There's things that they can come to us. But, you know, when they come to us, we keep telling them that they're entitled. We keep telling them yes. that they're, um, you know, lazy. You keep telling them that they're not resourceful, that they're snowflakes and complain. You know, you hear all, all kind of stuff about that age range, those young what is it, Generation Z? I can't keep up all know, this whatever. shit. Yeah. Uh, young, young, young millennials, <laughs> the ones that was born in like the 90s and the 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, which is crazy to me. But it's right. nuts. Because they're adults. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and we need to really, really, really start. Because the ones, if we give them the space and give them the spark, they work so hard. They're so inspired. They're hustlers. They're so... Uh, they're so um, resourceful, you know what I'm saying? They can do it. that's and that's part of the reason why we be mad at the apathy because it's like we know what the fuck you can do. Yeah, right. we yeah. know what you can do. Right. And so we just we need to work together so that we can all apply our gifts to kind of you know get our agenda together and push things forward because we can't keep doing the same thing that we've been right. doing. Right. I was asking my mom. I was talking to. I don't remember what something. Oh, it was after the election. It was after the presidential election. I was like, why? What is wrong with us? Like, why can't we get it together? I'm sorry. Um, Why can't we get it together? (laughs) And I was like, you know, what is happening with us? And my mom was like, 
um, she was like, people her age, my age, who had children stopped having conversations with their kids about racism Hmm. because they felt like after affirmative action and after integration, everything was copacetic. Mm -hmm. And she was like, the, yeah, she was just like, and I was like, well, you know, how is it different in your generation? And she was like, because we used to talk about this type of stuff around the dinner table. Yep. She was like, you know, my father would come home and he would talk to us about what he was dealing with at work or my mom, you know, and they would explain to us, you know, this is how you navigate this world. And one, keep your head on your shoulders, as in literally, literally, yes. <laughs> literally. And then two, how you keep your wits about you so that you can navigate and have somewhat of a decent quality of life for yourself. And she was just like, we just stopped having those conversations. So when we do encounter those young people who are entitled snowflakes, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the rest of that list Because they out there. Don't yeah. let my, my lovely sentiments right. fool you <laughs> It's because <laughs> oftentimes they're being raised, they were raised by people who wanted to shelter them from everything that they ever had to deal mm-hmm. with, wanted to give them all the things that they never had. And it's like, that's not a substitute for parenting. I had a student in one of my classes, child, she was trying to argue me that, that, that poverty was a choice. Oh, I was like, look, girl, if you don't go sit down somewhere, oh, ain't nobody man. choosing poverty. You know what Lord. I'm saying? Like, yeah. she literally was arguing with me about this. I was yeah. like, no, nobody chooses poverty. So she goes home and has a conversation with her mother. Listen to this. Finds out her mama grew up in Central Florida with an outhouse and no electricity. <laughs> and she had to shut her damn mouth. Mm. But the but I fault the mother because yes. the mother yes. never told her where she came from. Yeah. Her mother never explained mm-hmm. to her what her life was like. Mm-hmm. Her mother never told her anything about her past. Right. And when she asked her why, she said, well, because I wanted to give you a totally different life, blah, blah, blah. And then you wonder why these kids are entitled mm-hmm. because you are raising them to be entitled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they think that they should just have things, it's because you have just provided things speaking of entitlements let's go back to this uh that number where we got the 18 percent from because we gotta look at some other people in there because we we look at the 18 percent is that was high but what's going on no why are black people the only ones who seem to overwhelmingly be committed to progressive values in the country it seems like Mm. every other demographic on there was 60 for for white people i think they were yeah it's just racism it's like it is racism because it's like I mean, do we want the water to be poisoned? Or it's like, y'all rather have a white candidate than clean water. I don't get it. Well, well, here's the thing. This is the thing, and this is where we mess up. It's like what they say, if you don't understand racism and white supremacy, you don't understand anything else, Mm -hmm. right? They never say, like, we always say that they're voting against, you know, you know, they're good or something like that. They never told us that was their interest. Mm. They have told us time and time again what their interests were. They've told us that Border Patrol is their interest. Mm. Making are sure they, your black ass don't have right, health, right. They health don't care. care. They don't, yeah, they don't care if, you know, they can't get insurance for diabetes. Not that much. They care about it, but not as much as they care about gun control. So we, we, we can't assume that what we think is our values or, or, or our interests and is what everybody else's is when other communities will tell you exactly what theirs are if, and you know that's what they're going to fight for. They don't care about everybody getting um, medical services. Not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Not enough. But see, this starts to bleed over even into the it so-called does. liberal white people. It that does. They're going into those polls. It does. And they're not voting how they're telling us in yeah, public. It's not. That's because true. the numbers aren't adding up. Mm-hmm. It's, That's true. If the state is 50-50, right. <laughs> yeah. it's like, wait a minute, that means that... Some of y'all. Yeah. Somebody lying. Right. Somebody lying. Exactly. I mean, it goes... I mean, I think the Bernie Sanders quote of the week is a mm. perfect encapsulation mm. of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where he says, you know, there were some white people who weren't necessarily racist mm-hmm. who voted, who were, who were uncomfortable, uncomfortable voting. Uncomfortable just voting. a little uncomfortable. You know, voting this should never happen to me because as a historian, but I was disappointed in Bernie for that. I, thought I was that, too. I thought that I he at least knew enough not to be that ignorant. Like yeah. there's levels of ignorance I expect from people, um, but that was an egregious statement on but his part. But the thing is, Bruce, he a white man. I know, I know. <laughs> white, folk but, white folk all the time. They gonna but white, they gonna white what folk. I'm saying <laughs> is, maybe after the fact, he realized what he said. But if you are Brain. white and you are raised in this country, your default is bias against people of color. Mm-hmm. So his natural thing was to go to a place where he's saying, well, they're not necessarily racist. Mm-hmm. They're just, well. they're, right. They're just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's the type of racism that yes. most people can't see. Mm-hmm. They yes. can't see that type of racism. Yeah. So I'm sure that statement went over a lot of people's yes. heads. And, and and I'm sure that there are a lot of white people who went into the ballot who are not into the um the the voting booth who are not willing to challenge themselves on that mm-hmm. because there's no aspect of their life that's going to be made more difficult for voting for the you know the the candidate that doesn't support more progressive you know values mm-hmm. so maybe they did have that kind of like oh I just I don't know I just can't vote for Andrew Gillum I don't know why I'm just gonna vote for you know what I'm saying they're mm-hmm. not there's there's no there's no desire to take the self to the t- to task mm-hmm. and really you know have a conversation with themselves about that mm. and you know the work what was I listening to I was I'm I'm listening to uh Kevin Powell's new book mm. And it's actually extremely good. Um, But he was talking about, like, the exhaustion for black people who have to explain this over and over and over and over over again until finally it was a point where he was just like, listen, don't talk to us anymore. Talk to your cousins. Talk to your your folks. You know, it's exhausting having to explain how this works mm-hmm. and history and the system. Well, y'all won't read no books. That's you it. Know. That's all we want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We can point you to resources. Bring right. some information to me that I don't know. <laughs> right. right. Bring me some shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's exhausting to have to explain it over right. and over. And it's also exhausting for somebody to be like, well, are you sure that that's racism? Do you think maybe that it could be... Well, what about, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody who's constantly questioning your mm-hmm. ability to discern what you're, what you've just experienced. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately comes down to a collective disbelief or devaluing of black people's experiences. Exactly. We could all say, you know what? Uh, if you ask 10 black people, eight of them had negative experiences with the police, right? right? And then somebody will say, well, you know, maybe they're making it up. But yes. It can't all be true. Yeah. And it's just like, then what do we do this research for? Why do we right. do surveys? Right. Like, what's the point? Right. If everyone's just lying all the time. Right. So it's just... It, it's frustrating and I understand what he was saying it just gets exhausting having to explain to people that 
it, <laughs> people who are wearing Nazi uniforms are racist. I right. don't care if you know them and they were nice to someone right. before. Mm-hmm. If they're in the Ku Klux Klan, right. yes, they right. are racist. It's like, why are we no? even arguing semantics yeah. about right. this? And right. then can we just have the conversation about, like, you know, like you were saying, if people don't see a hood and people don't mm-hmm. think it's racism, it's like, no, there's so much more to exactly. it than that. The vast majority of racism is so much more subtle, mm-hmm. so much more finely chopped than somebody burning a cross on your lawn. Right. And if you don't have the ability to, to see it and discern it, you're going to be at its mercy at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they think it's an emotion. And it's not an emotion. It's not even an orientation. It is an, it's an extremely diabolical and elegant system. Yes. Oh, yes. Finely tuned. Yes. Yeah. It's immaculate damn near. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the level, this is the level of, of energy that we're dealing with yeah, it's right. not like oh i just i don't like them because he makes me feel a little right. no mm-hmm. it's not that at all right it's so no. like it's designed structured it's structural right woven into the fabric as mm-hmm. they say basically yeah I, i'm always trying to explain that to people and I, i'm drawing back because i was like you know what? i'm just gonna write a book about it and then you have to pay to learn about it because i can't keep Going out trying to teach everybody, like, what is racism, what is implicit bias, what is Mm -hmm. explicit bias, what's old-fashioned racism, what's modern racism. Um, So, it it, it gets very dynamic, but as you were just saying, Adrian, it's kind of like, it it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's part of a larger, Mm -hmm. it's a part of a larger context that dates all the way back to the transatlantic slave trade and the events that followed that. So and and yes. it also and, and 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 the thing that most people don't realize and understand is that whiteness was a concept that was created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whiteness is not something that has always existed. It is a it's a socio political orientation that depends on racism and that racism depends on. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so white people get in their feelings when you when you implicate whiteness, mm-hmm. but they don't know because they have attached themselves uh-huh. to this socio-political mm-hmm. yeah. orientation that is that that cannot function without racism and with, with without which racism cannot function. Mm-hmm. But they'll be quick to turn on you and say, but race is a social construct. They'll be quick to put it back on you. <laughs> Girl, that so post. And Zinga and Zinga gave the post of all posts. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there wasn't a wig left. <laughs> I don't even wear a wig and that shit was on the ground when I finished reading that I'm book. I'm so tired of people talking about race as a social construct. Hold on. Wait, I got to find out. I'm going to find read this in a minute. So is language. Yes. That doesn't Money. make All it, of it not real. All of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, can we stop Lord. doing that? Can we and please? And read it all for Phil. What's the name you said? Was it uh, Kobe? She was like, did she just... She just snatched all our wigs. She snatched every <laughs> wig in the house. I'm going to read this to y'all. <laughs> this is my friend, Dr. Nzinga Metzger on Facebook. October 28th. I was in my feelings. She had an anthropology moment. She said, can we please stop being impressed with ourselves for stating that race is just a social construct in order to, one, gaslight those of us concerned with racism, two, sound smart, <laughs> three, Trivialize racism. Four, convinces that you're beyond race. Five, convinces that it's not real. Newsflash, political parties are social constructs. You put y'all out here in the blue and red wars. Educational systems are social constructs. But people kill themselves getting degrees. Manage our social constructs. And some of y'all spend oodles of cash to eat at white top restaurants to kiki and pinky finger your wine glasses and teacups for social clout. 
Laws are social constructs, but they're the only thing keeping some of y'all from acting a fool every day. <laughs> Religion is a social construct, but some of y'all literally condemn people to make believe to a make believe hot place just because they don't believe in your particular invisible friend. <laughs> Beauty is a social construct, but some of y'all out here mortgage, insurance, family, and nap before the party is old and are socially awkward and <laughs> you. And cry to your therapist because someone called you ugly in the ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta read that sentence again. We live. Rewind. We live by social contracts. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! Yeah. They called you ugly in the ninth somebody grade. Somebody called. You, they crying. They still crying because somebody called you. Wait, ugly. we got more. Oh, Marriage gone. is a social construct, but most of you would seizure if your spouse cheated on you. Talking about some. It's okay, babe. Our marriage is a social construct. <laughs> Finish reading the chapter on social constructs before you try to best us with half knowledge in your next marriage. debate. As you were. Girl, let me pick my edges up. Child, I'm so tired of people talking about, well, race is a social construct because that's supposed to let you. I guess the, the appropriate response is be, oh, right. I had no well, idea. Never mind, then. Well, never mind. Like, All this stuff is just, I, yeah, forget about right. it. Everything I said, throw it in the trash. Right. Get away from but me. But you can't put it on them. You can't tell them that whiteness is a, is a right. constructed It's a identity. completely constructed. But you can't tell them. That. It's completely. And then I had had this realization a couple months ago where I was trying to figure out why white people be so mad about African-American. Remember that post that I made? And I was like, why? I was like really digging in my mind. Like, why are they so upset about it? And I realized long, long, long story short was that they traded ethnicity for race. Hmm. White people who came to this country and who continue to come to this country Uh trade their ethnicity Mm. for race. Mm. So they give up their old country values. They give up their unpronounceable names. They give up their cultural practices. They give up their connection to old Europe in order to be white in Mm. America because that is what gives them the privilege. And they are upset with black people because we are still reaching for our ethnic identity. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hold on. She did. The microphone done went up in flames. <laughs> again. She's going on, people. And listen, and then, and I and I'm I gotta keep coming back to this book because I'm actively listening to it right now and it's 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 fresh in my mind. The title of the book, by the way, by Kevin Powell is My Mother, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and the Last Stand of the Angry White Man. Mm, Very interesting book. And it's mm-hmm. almost like an interesting love letter to black men from a black man. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. He mm-hmm. goes down a list of all kinds of black men and just kind of get from his you know point of view everybody everybody cam newton barack obama uh tupac shakur um, so so he was trying to give some historical context to why black men present the way they do or and why you know when they're coming up and you're mad at them for you know not answering questions nicely at a press conference after they lose a game mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um, he was just giving some very interesting historical context and yeah, very interesting. So, um, and that's what happens is when you don't have any type of education on history, on. people don't have, people don't see your humanity. Come this on. is why we were quote unquote three fifths of human. Right. You know, and people throw that around. Don't know what they talking about half the time. Lord, mm-hmm. Lord today, Come Lord. On, <laughs> Lord today. But that's the thing, you know, like. 
when we're when we look at the contemporary political socio-political landscape you know if you don't have any type of point of reference in history then you're going to look at the socio-political landscape at a very su superficial level like you're not going to be able to look at it and be like oh well this is happening because xyz abc happened in the past and mm -hmm. that's what created this environment so you're just looking at the structures that exist now without really you know knowing how we arrived at this point and mm -hmm. i think that that type of um, amnesia is what plagues americans mm -hmm. in general we have very short-term memories right. and very little value i mean look at how intellectualism has taken a bludgeoning Mm -hmm. in the public arena. We it's have elitism very, now. Right. It's it's now it's elitist to be intellectual or to be academic or to actually study something. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and obviously those things are not inextricably intertwined, right? Like you can be educated and not have gone have gone to school. Those two don't necessarily mean the same thing. But we're like you said, now we're at a place where, you know, being educated about something is being sedity, it's being elitist, mm -hmm. it's being, you know, all of these things when, you know, the opposite is just ignorant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that, um, you know, with um, with and, and I think that I haven't listened to the book, but I'm just think, thinking about black people in general. You know, if you yes. knew something about black people, you know why we mad all the damn time. Right. You know what I'm Listen. saying? How many of us have a story about land that was either taken by white people? Mm. How many of us have a lynching story in our family? How many of us have a story of yes. police um, brutality in our family? The vast majority of us. Right. Yes. The vast majority of us. So when you roll up on us talking about are you sure that was racism? I'm not really. I think maybe they were just. No, damn it. And the ones who I actually know. listen yes. and give a damn get mad too. Right. Like it, it just, it makes sense. Like when you hear about yeah. it, like this is. Okay, right, this because is I bullshit. know what that is. Right. Yeah. And they get mad too. For yes. a, a, a great example of what you're describing is the other day I was talking with some people and we were talking about the situation in Georgia where they were saying how the voting machines were failing at specific in specific counties that were primarily black mm -hmm. right and then i said this is racism there's no other way to explain it and yeah. then of course someone said well are you sure oh, it's racism of course these things happen and you know oh. they could be resolved it happens at the local level and i was sure. like let me explain sir when i say racism i'm talking about the disparate impacts that are incurred by people of color normally black people or some other um people right. who do not have the privileges that white people have and right. therefore they're being disadvantaged when we see these turnouts and it didn't happen this one time this is not right. the first time this has ever happened right. we could trace this all the way back to when they first started allowing black people Old to vote taxes. and we saw yes. these same types of practices where black people were being shortchanged at the during at elections the, right, the so polls. that white politics white political interest could prevail and we're seeing it again right now in 2018. So yeah. mm -hmm. you tell me what it mm -hmm. is. We can right. call it whatever word you want. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. And then when we do decide, you know what, this ain't really working for us. Let's go over here and do our own thing. They come, they and, come, come and bother us. us. Yes. Yes. They yes. come and bother they come us wherever we go. Wherever we go. Yeah. Every single time. And so the level of frustration from generations and... You know, you come in and you're thinking that we're just being overly sensitive or mm -hmm. being, you know what I'm saying, extra about it. And Stop of living course, in the past. We're, but right. are we? Are we are living we, in the present. Listen, right. Right. Listen, all day, every day. White folks, if you're out there listening, just like when I always implore men to talk to the women in their family, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised what you find out that has happened to them. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and a lot of y'all 
you know, mothers and grandmothers have been raped, have been molested, yeah. had had those things. But of course, they're not really going to share it like that. But, right. it, you know, if you understood the level, it's the same thing. Yes. With, with, with black folks, ask those type of questions like what has happened yeah. in their family. You're going to hear some shit. Come on now. Why do you, you know, huge droves of black people moving up north. Why? Because terrorism. Because terrorism. Basically. That's exactly it. And that's all it is. Point blank period. Terrorism. People fleeing. And you know, the thing about that too, that, that, that sticks in my mind is that, you know, I don't, most of the families that I know, if each person, you know, is, it represents a family. Most black people have a lynching story in their family. Mm -hmm. So where do they get this 2000, 3000 number from? That's recorded and documented. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if it's 12 million of us <laughs> right. and all of our families have at least one lynching story, mm -hmm. that's telling, that's, 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 that, that statistic is way off. Well, mm -hmm. again, to, in fairness, that is Tuskegee's number. That's based off of what Ida right. B. Wells and right. Booker T. Right. were able to come up with with their and, limited but, resources. But here's, right. the, here's the thing it kind of, going back to this book, it, the, the one who got killed for the land. They said that he choked on food. Exactly. So he would not be counted as a quote right. lynch. Right. So you have a grown man choke on food to death. Yeah. You've been eating all your life. <laughs> I mean, this man bashed himself in the back of the head and tried himself to the train tracks. Right. Right. Like, right. like that. So right. you have to be able to um, go there, do a full investigation, and find out what no, happened. You're right. Yeah. Because right. I know right. one assignment. That I remember doing um, that was assigned to me when I was in grad school is we had to go back and look at lynchings and then look at what it said in the mainstream newspaper versus what the local black newspapers were saying. Mm. And it would be like two completely different stories. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like, so, um, this is why our is independent like, media is so important. Very important. Yeah, absolutely. Very this important. is why our independent media is so important. There's a, so, so many black folks out there that do want some independent media, and I don't always agree with them. But I support them. Right. Like, you know, Brother Diallo Kenyatta. Mm -hmm. I don't always agree with that brother, but I support him. I bet you I send him some Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yvette Carnell. She say some wild shit sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't always agree with her or understand her. But I know she's coming from the same place that I am. Mm -hmm. And I put something on hers, too. Mm -hmm. I, I make sure I support them because we need the alternative media. We ain't all got to agree on everything and get along. But right. we do have, you know, things that we can um, meet together on because like we said earlier we still gotta live here we still gotta breathe the air we right. still gotta drink the water we still right. gotta do all of this stuff you know what i'm saying yeah. we gotta connect we gotta stop unless somebody's doing egregious shit to your spirit a psyche you need to find some common ground with them yeah you have to we don't have a choice i mean we used to all hands on deck I know everybody who was carpooling together during Listen. the bus boycott wasn't best friends. Listen, right. <laughs> you may have to carpool with somebody that slept with your husband. Come on now. Get your ass in the Get car. Get your ass in this car. <laughs> it's ain't about you. Right. Get in. When, we, when this thing over, come, come on. Your ass. Your ass. Come on outside. Wait till this bus boycott. And you know it happened too. Yeah, I know. I'm not making this up. That would be a funny movie. Oh, Listen, that really was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I need to trademark that shit like yesterday. Oh, yes, man. immediately. That would have been great. That would have been edit that real quick. But, hey, who, 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 who we gonna play in the movie? <laughs> Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart. Shit. Oh, oh my god, that would be so hilarious. <laughs> the usual black people. The usual. <laughs> Y'all ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. Any last remarks, closing remarks? Anybody got anything else? Any get out and vote like your life depends on it. No, I'm just playing. Right. right. <laughs> Educate Dang, yourself. Damn, did he? Right. Educate yourself. You Educate gotta yourself. you gotta Find a group, find a community, just get on the internet. Just do something, mm-hmm. please. Just educate yourself about do what's something. going on. And, and let us know what you're doing. Right. Yes, you know what yes. I'm saying? Because I support stuff. Like, I do a lot more than vote. I support people who have endeavors and mm-hmm. other things here and across the water who are doing stuff. Sister Nzinga started a whole school program <laughs> in, in, in Nigeria for, for, for young traditional children, man. Awesome. So, like, like... It don't have you don't have to lock yourself into the vote and voting ain't your thing. Go vote and do some other stuff. Or do nothing yeah, so. like like right. Nzinga said, because we know how some of y'all gonna do anyway. <laughs> just give me a vote. Just but vote. Just please. Right? Shoot. All hands on deck, yeah. baby. Cause you know we 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 all we got, baby. Yeah. Just be a thinking person. Like yes. be engaged in your world. Know mm-hmm. what's going on so that you can make informed choices, not just about voting, but just about life mm-hmm. in general. You know, there are a lot of people who end up in situations, whether they're in personal situations, relationship situations, political situations, situations with the law. They're making decisions and they're uninformed. Yeah. And it's like, just become an engaged, thinking person in your life. Don't just stop when the answer isn't the first thing that you come to, when, when, the, when the solution isn't just right there in front of you. Push yourself beyond that door or that wall where, you know, okay, well, I don't have an answer. Keep looking until you find an answer that generates the outcome that you want in your life. And that's something that can be translated, you know, all the way across the board, not just in terms of politics. Don't 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 be a passive participant mm-hmm. in your life. At all costs. You know what I'm saying? Every in everything in your life. Sister Singer said it the everything in your life. Be thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Be an active participant in in your life, in your community, in your family. You can't just go to work and then come home and close yourself up and then go right. get drunk at the club on the weekend and then repeat, <laughs> rinse and repeat. You can't do that. I mean, you can, but right. shit, who want to live like that? And it's a lot of people who've done that for five, ten, Listen. in a wee cloud, five, <laughs> ten, fifteen years. Yeah. And then they woke up out of it and they're like, what did I do? Right. Mm-hmm. Where did that fifteen years of my life go? Yeah. Exactly. Because when you do that, when you, shout out to my brother Diallo Sunbury, when you engage your core, when you engage your community, that's when really stuff starts to pop off. That's when you're able to to to, to get the connection that you need to 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 meet your goals and move through life and do the things that you love to do in your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You sit up and you just be at the house and be on the interwebs and not going anywhere, engaging with the community, getting to know people. And, you know, I know the value of of really connecting with people. You know, working in a hospital, I run across people. Like, over the course of my career, I probably ran into thousands and thousands mm-hmm. and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. You know what it does to you? Mm-hmm. People who... You know, you had to hold their hand because they lost their child in a car accident mm. the day before. Mm-mm-mm. People who was running and doing well and all of a sudden they have a spinal cord injury and they can't walk, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. People who came back from the dead. Yeah, that's amazing. Who had to be resuscitated. You know what I'm saying? Babies who made it being only had less than a pound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, amazing type of things in your life and the people that you run across. But you can't have those type of experiences when your ass hold up in the house. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're not engaging with your community and you're not getting together and you're not having potlucks and you're not asking how people's children are and asking if people need anything and and seeing, you know, 
if people are really doing okay around you, you yeah, know, because that's really where our wealth lies. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you know when you look at that article, mm-hmm. I think it was in Forbes a couple of months ago that says it would take the average black family twenty generations to catch up with the average white family here in the United States in terms of wealth. Was that what it mm-hmm. said? Twenty yeah. generations. So it's like you know when we don't have the financial resources. To, to create, you know, this vision of life that we're presented here mm-hmm. in the United States. The ne- I won't even say the next best thing. Our best resources are is our culture. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, okay. a lot of us don't really even think about what our culture is outside of memes, new dances, and new pop music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are values that are embedded in our culture in terms of communality, in yes. terms of cooperation, yes. in terms of concern, you know, in terms of working together in spite of differences, supporting each other. Those are all parts of our culture. If we leverage those things together, mm-hmm. you know, we can create a standard of living and, and a way of life that is better than what we have yes. today, which yes. is yes. just basically a bad facsimile mm-hmm. of some shit we all saw on TV. Listen, mm. because listen, our culture, everything is there. Everything is there. Yeah. We create out of nothing you know who was who was i talking to tell that was t- telling me that um they were talking about how like hip-hop was like 97 percent that was you right that was according to a facebook according post. to a facebook post <laughs> <laughs> okay we're not gonna take it as face value but i'm gonna just share the sentiment right we literally created that shit with some paint cans some cardboard a couple of sound systems. Yes. Not even systems. We had boom we had to We had to pull stuff to get out. I, I read... Um, uh, uh, it was Grandmaster Flash. Ooh. A memoir of a hip-hop pioneer. And he was talking about he didn't even have enough money. He used to have to go to junkyards and pull the electric wow. stuff wow. out. And he read it. He electrically engineered... The, the 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 system right. to wow. be able to do that because he didn't even have enough money to go and get a boombox. He yeah. had to go to abandoned cars. And but look at even just like something as simple as Chuck Taylors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these were like the boom boom shoes mm-hmm. back in the day. These were like you know, these were the poor people's shoes. And now, mm-hmm. because that's what we could afford, you know, this is like the whole thing is like taking on a. So it's like what are, what are the aspects of our culture that you know can support us and help us that we don't think about that are not these visible things that we can leverage for life. I think um, it reminds me of something Marcus Garvey talked about, and I'll paraphrase, where he said that the greatest challenge for black Americans was the lack of organization. Because I I think we do so many things, and it's like we have limited resources, and people are just surviving on their own. But when we see us at our greatest, it normally comes, a lot of times we've we've revered the individuals without looking at the organization that was behind them. And that is the real Mm -hmm. legacy there. We could trace that all through black history back to the continent. It's been Mm -hmm. the organizations that we've created that made these lasting imprints. And I think that going, going forward, as we start to look at things, uh, we need to look at improving organizations, and I think that it will be the seat of Black excellence. That we don't, not just unity, us all being together won't be enough because we're not all gonna get along. We're no. not gonna see the eye to eye. Yeah. Right. You know, we're not gonna like each other. Nope. But if right. we have organizations built, but we've uh, we've accommodated for that, where we're not gonna agree here. How do we make decisions when we don't agree? Mm-hmm. What's the best? Mm-hmm. What's our process? If we start looking in that direction, I think that's where we'll start to see the kind of progress that we want to make. Absolutely. So. Y'all, we can, we, we have literally created entire things out of nothing. Mm -hmm. We don't need much. All we need is our intention. 
We need the passion, we need the focus, we need the guidance and the eldership. We need the spirit of the youth so that we can improve our situation. Because everybody I know is tired. Everybody I know is <sighs> frazzled yeah. and, and got a lot going on and got too much going on. Uh, but also there's a lot of really good positive things. That's one of the reasons why I even have this show because I was like, I got too much great stuff going on with people around me. I have to be able to share this. So that people can, in, be, in the hopes, at least be inspired. Right. You know, at the very least, be inspired. And at the very most, go out and do something with that inspiration. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So thank y'all for coming. Thanks thank for having, having us. Yes. Freaking rock. Awesome. Please <laughs> ain't ready for this one. Thanks again for rocking with me. I know y'all enjoyed this show. Thanks again to my fantastic guest slash panelist extraordinaire. Uh, I appreciate your intelligence, your wisdom, your clarity, your incisiveness, and uh, your love for our people. That's why I wanted you all to come on and y'all deliver just as I expected. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Um, thank you to... Um, Brother Kevin Powell for this powerful book. I haven't quite finished it yet. I, I referenced it a couple of times here in this episode. Uh, the title of the book is called My Mother, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and the Last Stand of the Angry White Man. Uh, I probably got another chapter or so left. And um, I have a lot of thoughts about this book. And, and I actually would like to sit down and have a conversation with Brother Kevin Powell about this. So I'm going to have to reach out to his people, see if we can't get him on TT Talks so we can have a conversation about this book because I think it's extremely important, extremely powerful. Um, it's coming from a, a position of, of love and accountability um, and, and just that analysis and wisdom that comes with, with, with living and I appreciate his perspective. Uh, I'm also reading uh, The Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. And uh, I'm going to sit down and have a powerful conversation with uh, a homeboy of mine. He and I have already been talking about it. So I can't wait to finish that book so he and I can talk about it. He's already done with it. And he's going crazy. Uh, this is definitely a very uh, interesting, beautiful, and powerful book. In, in, in what I'm reading. I'm probably about a third of the way through. I'm really trying to finish it, but I have so many projects and so much stuff going on, but it's going to get done very soon. Uh, I look forward to connecting with all of y'all out into the interwebs. And as usual, peace.